1: Brewers of the great American beer, Carling Black
2: Label, presents another story in the dramatic new series
1: The Challenge of Space.
0: Good evening. This is Charles B. Ryan, head of the Department of Space Research at the New Mexico Center. Now, I'm here to tell you about the progress that's being made and the tremendously exciting developments taking place in space exploration. Each week, I'll be bringing you stories of past achievements, present accomplishments, and future possibilities of man's journeys into space. It's not really easy to point to the exact moment in time when man's dreams about spaceflight began to turn into reality. Certainly the very first step was the Chinese invention of firework rockets, because today's spacecraft work on precisely the same principle. But the next step was a long time in coming. Finally, in the 20th century, Robert Goddard in America experimented with home-built rockets, Rockets which he hoped were prototypes of bigger ships to come. Unfortunately, interest in his experiments was small, and he didn't manage to get very far. But at about the same time, a far-seeing German scientist wrote a treatise called The Rocket in Interplanetary Space, and this book was to have a profound effect on the life of a young German boy. This is his story, and I call it My Destiny: The Stars.
3: will be all right. Don't you worry. I've got it all worked out. Now go and stand behind that screen and wait for me. But your papa, Werner, what is he going to say when he finds out? And how will he find out? He'll see the thing go up. If he's in the house at all, he's reading the newspaper. He won't see. Heimlich, we're so far away from the house here, almost in the woods. Now get behind the screen while I fix these fires. All right, but I still think you're out of your head, Werner. So my friend thinks I'm out of my head. Wait till he sees this thing fly. He'll think something different then. Now, this fast goes on here, and this one here, and we are ready. Henry, now the fuel is all right here. It doesn't take very much to make a rocket one meter long, fly up and down again. Yeah, the gauge shows almost half. Aren't you coming behind the screen also, Werner? Yeah, yeah, I'm coming. Just make a quick check here. But it looks like everything's all right. I'm so scared it'll go up and burn you before you get here. That's what can happen to someone as crazy as you. Oh, you worry about my father. You worry about the rocket. But it's all right, Heinrich. How often must I tell you? Are you going to fire it now? No, Heinrich. Of course not. You don't fire it? Oh, you dumb not Heinrich. Of course I'm going to fire it. All right, Heinrich. Crouch down from behind the screen. I'm going to fire it. Now. it works it works just look at the climb up there my rocket. really works it's just like fireworks look how high it's going Werner. yeah yeah it's going right up into the clouds oh look how look, it vanished we can't see it anymore that was exciting Werner. Where did you learn to build such a machine? I read a book by Hermann Oberth about rockets. He says that rockets will one day reach the stars. And I believe it, Heinrich. In the book, it tells how to build one. And I've worked it all out. But it must be very difficult, Werner. Which well, is isn't easy. You have to work out exactly where it will go up. And where it will also come down. Werner, what's that? It, it must be my rocket. It's coming down again. Quick, Heinrich. 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 Where do you suppose that landed? I, I don't know, Werner, but it it's... Werner! Hard. Werner, to sharp, Goop, He doesn't sound too pleased, Werner. Werner, I know this is you. Oh, this Felix, is. Come can out, I, Werner! Can I come and stay at your place? Werner, I, I, I get so, my Werner. hands on you, parents, I'll tell you about. They might not. So it's, too late, late, it's too late, Pilate. It's too late. I hope here. I see you again. I must go, Werner. I'll see you again sometime.
1: Heinrich Hellemeyer, you come back here. All right. Now, what exactly do you two think you're doing, huh?
3: I didn't plan it, Papa. The rocket just came down wrong. You see, Obed says, if you plan the flight... Ah,
1: quatch me, Tosa. Did Obert tell you to wreck the kitchen with your toy? Let me tell you this. Both of you are in severe trouble. Heinrich, I shall tell upon your father and tell him what sort of boy you are. it
3: wasn't Heinrich, Papa. It was my... Don't worry, my
1: boy. You're in even worse troubles than your friend. Yes. Let me tell you, the kitchen is a wreck. Where that thing came down, yeah. Your muti is busy recovering from almost a heart attack when it happened, yeah. And you, Vanna von Braun, are going to pay every penny short, putting it right.
0: Already, the young Beno von Braun was aiming at the stars, even though the path was fraught with difficulties. Even his Prussian papa had to learn to live after a while with young Werner's obsession for rocketry. And then, Werner von Braun left his hometown of Versitz to study science and in his spare time rocketry and graduated at the age of 20 with a science degree in engineering. He went on experimenting as the clouds of war gathered over Europe and, as had to happen, his work came to the attention of the Nazi dictatorship.
1: Send for me, Herr General Keitel. Ah, Brown. Heil Hitler. I said, Heil Hitler. Oh, yeah, of course, Heil Hitler. Uh, not a very impressive start, Herr von Braun. We might just overlook it because of the work you've been doing in a most important field. If you'll be so kind as to explain, Herr General. Of course. You know, of course, the terms of the insufferable Versailles treaty forced on us in 1919. Yeah, I know them. From what I've read in the popular press, I'm not much concerned with politics. I see. But uh, you will know that, under this treaty, Germany is allowed no long-range artillery. We may not own even one gun. Yes, I know something of the kind. But I work with rockets, Herr General. Not with guns. I know this. And that is precisely why I sent for you. The Army command of the Third Reich wishes you to design military rockets. Rockets which will carry bombs over long distances. Rockets to carry bombs? No, you don't
2: understand. My target is the planets and the stars, not the Earth. Besides,
1: the Third Reich considers you now under orders. You will work on rockets. These rockets you will design to carry bombs. You will also design them to fly as far as London. Do you understand, Herr von Braun? <sighs> understand only
2: too well. But what of my peaceful work on rockets at the Kummersdorf Research Center?
1: What happens to that? It will be closed, down. The main equipment will be transferred to a new research center, which is being built at this moment. Does that satisfy your curiosity? Not entirely, Herr General I'd like to know where this new place is and what my position will be there. Of course. You will be head of the research center from Plan in charge. But uh, I don't think you know the place where we are building it. It is called Peenemunde.
0: Peenemunde, a name that in later years would strike terror into the hearts of all who heard it. For it was from here that the first military rocket bomb, the V-1, was launched, shortly to be followed by a terrifying weapon of death and devastation, the inhuman V-2. For months, stretching into years, a deadly fusillade of rocket bombs rained down on England. Werner von Braun had reluctantly done his job. But then came the advance of the Allied armies across Fortress Europa, and Werner von Braun made his decision.
2: But well, I say I don't care what the heck, order. Do you know what'll happen, Major, if we don't keep advancing? Well, Colonel, on your own head be it. But I do agree it's pretty stupid to let the Ruskies get their hands on half of Germany, but that's orders. Yeah, I know, and it makes me sick. Here, come over here and look at this map. Oh, I could recite it to you in my sleep. I don't need to come up close. Yeah, but have you taken a look at what Ivan is going to get if we don't keep going? Just look here. He gets Berlin for a start. But let's ignore that, it's obvious. Yeah. So he picks up places like Magdeburg and Gina, this huge industrial and farming complex here. And also, Pienamunde. Pienamunde, where the rockets come from. Where the rockets come from. That's why I could quite cheerfully kick Eisenhower all the way to New York and back, telling us to go so far and no further. Think of all the scientists they're going to get away with. Scientists? I'd line them all up and shoot them, so help me. You check out on the damage those monsters have done. Yeah, but look at the rockets they've built. Uncle Sam may even have a place for people like that. But it looks like it's Uncle Joe Stalin who's going to get them. It never stops. Come in. Begging your pardon, Colonel, sir. Major. Is it important, Lieutenant? I believe so, sir. We got some German guy, sir, who says he wants to speak to the commanding officer. And that's you, sir. Some German? I reckon it's high as high a prisoner, sir. Give yourself up voluntarily, but I don't know as how that makes the never mind. I'd shove him in a hoose guy, but he keeps on saying as how he wants. Where is this soldier, Lieutenant? Oh, he ain't no soldier, sir. Civilian. Oh, well, all right, Lieutenant, bring him in. Yes, sir. Can you spare the time, Colonel? There's still a war going on out there. Oh, more orders. Be nice to civilians. Huh. Can't hurt to see who the guy is. Probably wants a couple of cigarettes and a bottle of rye. Ah, don't they all? And don't forget the
0: nylons. Yeah.
2: Okay, hold tight. Here comes your eight again. I got him here and all, Colonel, sir. He got the guns on him. Right, thank you, Lieutenant. Uh, you want me some? No, no more. You can mooch around outside the door till I send for you. Yes, sir. Okay, now. No... Jawohl, mein Herr. Was ist denn das? Was die Wollen haben? Thank you for wanting to speak in my language, Colonel, but I speak English. Well, that's a relief. By the looks of you, it's not smokes and candy you're after. You from the local townspeople? No, in fact, I'm far away from my town. I've come to give myself up to you. Give yourself up? But you're a civilian. Sagoon's the goons and green that we're after. I'm involved in war work, but I dislike it. I have since this foolish war began. But what could we do? That's what they all say. Okay, who are you? Oh, forgive me. I should have mentioned it. My name is Werner von Braun. Von Braun? You're, you're the guy who makes rockets. Yeah, I make rockets. I regret that I have also made bombs. And why I'm here is that I wish to make bombs no longer. That's a pretty broad statement, Mr... Your bombs that you don't wish to make just happen to account for lots of people dead. Ten percent of the total British civilian casualties. I expect I shall have to face an inquiry. you bet your socks you will. Hold it, Major. We've got us an important catch here. I reckon we make plans to ship him back behind our lines to where it's safe and let them decide what to do with him. Okay, Colonel, if you can figure out who to send him to. Well, why not send him where it counts? Send him to General Eisenhower himself.
0: Know something? In these mellow after-supper hours, there's nothing like a beer to make a man feel good, relaxed and good. And there's no beer like a Carling Black Label. Carling is the man's brand, the great American beer that's now brewed right here in South Africa, so you don't lose a day of that lusty, lively taste Carling is world-famous for. Got a thirst? Then why not get your hands on a Carling right now? Cold and frosty in the can. Man, oh man, isn't that just what real beer is all about? No wonder Carling is enjoyed by men in more than 50 countries around the world. Go for the man's brand. Go for Carling. Carling Black Label. Vanna von Braun, once the chief military rocket scientist at Peenemunde, could now at last pursue his goal of reaching for the stars, unhindered by the shackles of war. He came to America and turned his full attention to the first step in spaceflight, placing a satellite in orbit around the Earth. This had never been done before, but the problems involved could be overcome, and it seemed far more easily than the human problems on the ground.
4: Hi, Werner.
2: Oh, hello, Jimmy. Come in.
1: Well, uh,
2: how's things going with your toys? Oh, they could be so much better, Jimmy. You know what the trouble is. No idea. America is a democracy. (laughs) You better believe it. So how come this is suddenly a problem? I'm joking, of course. But in Germany, if you had something to do, you did it. You knew what you were doing. But here, people can do what they like... And so they spend their time arguing about who is going to do what instead of getting it done. All right, I, I got you. There's still no feather, huh? They're still arguing about it. And it's so stupid, Jimmy. Who cares whether it's Army or the Navy who puts up a satellite. What difference does it make as long as that satellite goes up? <laughs> You'll learn to love it, my square-headed friend. There's no hurry. We've got all the time in the world. Ach, you're an optimist. Jimmy, there is no time. No time at all. If we want America to be first with a satellite, first, say who else is in the race. Have you ever heard of the Russians? Mm, you've got a point there. I've thought about that, sure, but I've never worried about it. You think maybe I should start worrying? I think maybe you should. And Jimmy, do me the favor of trying to knock a few big heads together and tell them to decide who does the first launch, if I can, Werner. But you know these brass hats in the Pentagon, they take their... Oh, excuse me, Jaffan Brown. Yes, tell me. They did what? You're joking, I hope. I see. They know, of course, that they are completely insane. No, I do not understand. I understand only that they are fools. Yes, quote me on that. Anyway, thanks, Chris. All the idiocy. Who was that? It was Chris. He has just heard from the Pentagon. Well, who's it to be? They have decided that the first satellite will be launched by the Navy. Oh, no. But we're way ahead of them. It'll take years for the Navy to get a bird up there. And only months for us in the Army. I know. It's ridiculous. Oh, well, back to the drawing board, I guess. Yeah, we can go on designing and planning, but it's the Navy who puts up the first one.
0: Interdepartmental departmental rivalry isn't all bad. The Navy, despite the way the Army disparaged it as a matter of course, were in a reasonably advanced state of preparedness for a launch. But they didn't have the experience of the world's foremost expert on rocketry on their side, and they suffered one setback after another. Then the worst setback of all came on the 4th of October, 1957. What did you say, Werner? They what? Yeah, I'm afraid
2: my former colleagues have beaten us to it. There's a Russian satellite out there. And we could have been the first, Jimmy. We could easily have been, except for these delays, delays, delays on the Navy rocket. So, what do we do? We wait. We just wait. I have a feeling that we will be receiving a most important call within
0: the next few hours. (laughs) von Brown was right. The phone call came through to Army Ballistic Missile Agency in Huntsville, Alabama, so fast that it burned up the wires. And the director of the Development Operations Division almost wearily picked up the phone.
2: Yeah, Van Brown. Yes, I've been expecting your call. Of course I know they put one up. Do you think I sleep as much as you do? Yeah, well, it just so happens you've come to the right man. A little late, perhaps, but just the same. But oh, don't be pessimistic, Colonel. I only need four months. I hardly think you're in a position to tell me to get moving, Colonel. Yes, of course. Hmm. So now it's the Army's
0: turn. All right.
2: It looks as if we have some work to do.
0: They worked. In laboratories, in workshops, at testing stations, at the center and at home. They worked around the clock, day after day. ...preparing for the first American rocket launch. Meanwhile, on November 3rd, 1957, there was one. So, they've done it again,
2: have they? I wonder whether it is necessary to absult into the wound quite so hard. You've seen the details? Yes, I've seen some. Quite incredible.
4: I think I missed out on something. What details? Here, take a look. I pulled these out the teleprinter about ten minutes ago. Oh, thanks. Let's have a look,
0: see.
4: Say, is, is this right? It is.
2: We are monitoring the flight, and there is definitely something alive in that settlement. Yeah, but a dog. Laika, they call her. The first living
4: thing in space, and they did it. Just imagine the problems, though. There's the oxygen, quite possibly recycled, food for this animal, waste material.
2: And don't forget the size, hmm? How big must that satellite be to be able to hold an animal and to sustain life? No, they must be working with solid fuels. We couldn't get a bigger payload up there, could we? You realize they've launched two rockets in less than five weeks. And they keep it up? There'll be four shots ahead of us before we even make a start.
0: But the Russians seem satisfied for the moment with two and still work on the American satellite progressed, and with Wernher von Braun in charge of the operation, without a hitch. Impatiently, the world waited for an American response to the Russian space probes, since there was something disquieting about the thought of Russia taking the lead. And then, on that fateful day, February 1st, 1958, the world got its answer, as it heard for the first time a descending sequence of numbers which has since passed into everyday language. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2,
4: 1, 0. She's gold. Everything about her is just beautiful. You got a reading for me, Jimmy? Yeah, she's nearing orbital velocity now.
2: 2.5 seconds to burn out. Okay, the fire's out. Gentlemen, Explorer 1 is in orbit round the Earth.
4: It's fantastic. It's just fantastic. Yeah, monitoring signals. But keep it running. What's your position? Intermediate orbit. Computed 224 miles perigee, 1573 miles apogee. How signals coming through to you? Just perfect, Jim. Just perfect. Better than I could ever.
2: All. Most especially you, Jimmy Bowman And Chris here for everything you've
4: done Well, I must admit There's something that gets you about all this It's pretty exciting working on it But when you really get to see that bird fly <laughs> Well, I can't think of anything that compares Yeah, but how about the satellites to come? I wonder if we'll get the same kick out of them huh? oh, I guess we will Just as long as there are things left to discover out there That exactly will not be for a long time That there's nothing left to discover
2: up there Already we are picking up strange signals from Explorer 1. We don't know what they are.
4: James Van Allen's working on them. He thinks they may have something to do with radiation belts around the Earth, but he's not sure yet. You see what I mean? He's not sure.
2: And as long as there's doubt about space, every single probe that lifts off the Earth will be as exciting as this one.
4: Yeah, but here the launch was exciting as well as the telemetry signals. I guess the launch procedure will become pretty much routine after a while. I
2: suppose it will. But then, as we go further out, how much more exciting will the results be? Oh, sure. Yeah, and they will never stop becoming more and more exciting. Look, we are standing on a minor planet which revolves around a minor star on the edge of a vast galaxy, tucked away in just a tiny corner of space. And we are just a speck of dust smaller even than that in the cosmos itself. Yeah, just thinking about that makes me feel kind of small. Yeah, but think of the possibility that now open up to us. Uh, And the difficulties. For every answer we
4: get, we'll have two more questions.
2: Oh, the difficulties will be enormous. But that is where there's such a challenge in aiming for the stars, in trying to overcome these difficulties. Yeah, I guess so. And I guess the
4: next step's Explorer Two,
2: And then the Navy's Vanguard satellite... And then even more challenging projects. The first man on the moon? Believe me, that is only part of it. Because there are the planets beyond the moon. And then there are the stars beyond the planets. Uh, sorry, Chief, I have to stop you there.
4: On even the projected engines we'll have, the stars are just too far. We'd never even make it to the distant planets. I guess Mars and Venus are about our outer and inner limits. Yes. What about the photon rocket? Oh, come on, Chief. You're not seriously considering the photon... Not in my lifetime, no. Nor our sons,
2: our grandsons. But our great-great-grandsons, perhaps. After all, the theory is very simple. It only needs some device to turn the total mass of the fuel, not just some of it, into energy. And you would automatically reach a speed almost as fast as the speed of light. Einstein's theory, huh? Precisely. E equals mc squared. The fact that the materials for such a machine are not available, and everything else... Well, I'm sure these problems can be overcome. Someday. Someday. Not now, but someday. Meantime, Explorer 1 up there is our first step. The steps will get bigger as we go along. But I'm convinced, and I have been convinced since I was a child in Germany... ...that all of us here, everybody, has only one destiny. The stars themselves... Someday.
3: On the starboard side, so
4: were
0: up there. We're check the Fair enough, I'm Brown. The man without whom our space program the space programs of all the major powers would be much further behind than they are. The man to whom everyone connected with rocketry owes a debt that can almost never be paid. For his are the footsteps that lead the way to the stars. But are his dreams for the future practical? Can a photon rocket, a ship that propels itself by such a great mass energy conversion that it moves at almost the speed of light, can such a rocket ever be built? We fed that question into the computer here at the New Mexico Center. And at this point i better explain. It's our job here to keep tabs on rocketry around the world even to anticipate events and developments. In order to do this, we employ one of the most sophisticated computers ever built. We feed the data we have, often sketchy, into the machine and ask it to supply the missing details. And the computer figures out from its memory banks what is possible and what is not, what will become fact and what will always remain fiction. Into this giant computer... We fed what we knew about present-day rocketry and the theory of the photon rocket, and we got an answer. Werner von Braun's photon rocket is today firmly in the field of conjecture, but sometime in the future, it will become possible to build one, and the stars will then be closer than ever before. In a future program, I'll tell you more about it. Now, until next week, This is Charles B. Ryan here at the New Mexico Space Research Center wishing you all good night.
2: Carling invites you to listen again next week to another story in this dramatic series, The Challenge of Space.